This is Crime Corner Podcast. I am your host, Homasa. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 23, season 2. I know, we're getting there. We're getting there. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to Crime Corner, where I bring you what I believe are listening to worthy murder cases, cold cases, breaking news cases. You get the picture. Uh, now, today I'm bringing you four stories with, I think, two updates. Now, before we get started, Crime Corner Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and CastBox app, where millions of podcasts are available. Listen to the best free podcast on Android and Apple iOS. Search Crime Corner. Now, on today's episode, the headliners are a little bit intense. And with our first one, we have a breaking arrest are made in Florida fishing trip massacre that left three dead after a brutal murders. Suspects go eat at McDonald's. With our second story of the day, infant boy found dead in closet Weeks after DCF placed him with violent criminal. Just horrible. FBI with their next story. Our third story of the day. FBI exhumes Alonzo Brooks' body after Unsolved Mysteries episode on suspicious death of young man found in a lake. And with our final story, we have an update Mexico, the missing case of Dylan still continues. We have received some updates on this case. With that, and with my thoughts, this is Crime Corner. But before, a word from our sponsors. Begin with our first story of the day. Uh, this is an update. We talked about this on episode 22. Uh, the headline goes Arrest made in Florida fishing trip massacre that left three dead after brutal murders. Suspects go eat at McDonald's. The audacity of a killer. Three people have been arrested in connection with the gruesome Florida fishing trip massacre that left three people dead. Tony T.J. Wiggins, 26 years of age, Mary Whitemore, 27 years of age, and Robert Wiggins, 21 years of age, are being held behind bars in connection with the incident, according to the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Damian Tillman, 23 years of age, Kevin Springfield, 30 years of age, and Brandon Rollins, 27 years of age, were brutally beaten and shot to death 
at around 10 p.m. Friday night at a secluded Central Florida lake in Polk County. Rollins managed uh, to call his father and say help, bringing the older man to the scene. All three were pronounced dead when medics arrived. The incident apparently started on Friday after the suspects spotted Damien Tillman inside a Dollar General store earlier in the evening. Polk County Sheriff uh, Grady Judd explained during a press conference on Wednesday that Tony Wiggins was waiting in line for the cashier when he saw Tillman also waiting in line. Tony Wiggins was the triggerman, the trigger man, according to Judd. Prior to the shootings, Wiggins had already accumulated over 200 felony charges. You heard that right, over 200 felony charges. His criminal life began when he was only 12 years of age and continued until his latest arrest. At the time of the incident, Wiggins was out on bond on charges of breaking another man's arm with a crowbar, Judd said. Wow. Tony Wiggins allegedly overheard Tillman tell the store cashier he was on his way to go fishing. Tony Wiggins then told his accomplices to drive to the secluded area nearby lake off of US 98. It's way out in the county. I'm sorry, in the country. A little clay road, Judge said. It's used as ingress and egress for cow pastures, orange groves, and lake streeting. It's a road to no place uh, three miles long. As the suspects arrived at the scene, they saw two trucks parked side by side. The victims had their windows open, talking to each other while still in the truck. Tillman sat in one truck while Springfield and Roland sat in the other. Tony Wiggins, according to Judd, immediately got out of his vehicle, walked towards the trucks, and asked where Springfield was. Tony Wiggins then spotted Springfield in one of the trucks, ran towards him with a gun, and asked, Where's my truck? You saw the engine out of my truck, Tony Wiggins shouted, according to Judd. Springfield reportedly told Wiggins he didn't know anything about his truck, but it didn't matter. Wiggins shot both Springfield and Rollins. Judd said at least nine rounds were fired. Then he turns on Damien, Judd said. He begins to shoot Damien, who's got his door open in his truck several times. Afterwards, the suspects went to McDonald's and ordered double cheeseburgers and McChicken sandwiches. Although the other two suspects did not actively participate in the shootings, they did nothing to stop it. Then, took great measures to cover for Tony Wiggins, Judge said. Tony Wiggins is charged with three counts of first-degree murder, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, tampering with evidence and possession of ammunition by a convicted felon. Robert Wiggins is charged with tampering with evidence Accessory after the fact of capital felony. White Moore is charged with accessory after the fact of a capital felony. Just horrible. They are all so young as the victims, as the monsters that did this. 
So many lives have been ruined by this, what is being called a massacre. Just, just horrible. Just horrible. Um, I'm going to try and keep you guys updated when they are uh, charged officially in court as they should be locked up. All of them. They should all be charged with murder. They all did this and the other two did nothing to stop him. So definitely they can rot in jail. With that, we continue with our next story on Crime Corner. And we continue with our next story. Uh, these stories just... When you think you've heard the worst, you just... Infant boy found dead in the closet weeks after DCF placed him with violent criminal. A six-month-old Florida boy who died in temporary foster care reported, uh, reportedly remains in the morgue four months after his death. Roxanne Raphael lost custody of her son, Scorpio Sharp, earlier, th earlier this year when she was arrested for child neglect. WFTV reported that Sharp was found dead at a Cape Canaveral apartment complex on March 1st, after police discovered two children who lived with the infant wandering outside. The Department of Children and Families placed Sharp, whose body was reportedly found in a plastic container in a closet at the Brevard County home. The person entrusted with the child, Ricky Tubbs, 25 years of age, reportedly signed a safety plan and was given detailed instructions on how to care for Sharp as his primary caregiver. What? Uh... I just can't with these people. Monsters. Tubbs became Sharp's primary caregiver in mid-February. DCF told WFTV that placing Sharp with Tubbs, a non-relative, was the only available option other than a licensed foster replacement. The agency said Tubbs didn't inform them that another woman, Tanya Galvin, 41 years of age, also resided at the residence. As a result, DCF, DCF and their subcontractor, Brevard Family Partnership, never subjected Galvin to a background check. Like always, they fucking failed to do their fucking job. The day Sharp found dead, um, he was left with Galvin, who has a history of violence according to WFTV. The news station obtained court records stating that Galvin violated her probation on grand theft charges by moving in with Tubbs on or around March 7th without alerting authorities. DCF claimed that they made four welfare visits, four failed welfare visits, I must add, uh, February 15 and March 1st, and Galvin wasn't present. Galvin was charged with aggravated manslaughter while Tubbs was charged with great bodily harm. DCF said that no children are currently in Tubbs' care. Uh, DCF also said they're in communications with Sharp's parents and community agencies to ensure 
the infant's burial. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. Another one to be added to the files that DCF failed once again to a poor little baby. And just like that, he is going to be added to a stack of forgotten because I feel like DCF gives no fuck. DCF wants a paycheck. DCF clocks out and DCF gives no fuck. So with that, that is why we're seeing so many cases, so many cases. And you will see more cases like these because as you can see, we are still under a coronavirus and children, kids are not going to school. They are still at home and some of them face violent, um, violent acts. They are being harmed by their parents and at times their safe home is school and due to the fact of this whole coronavirus pandemic they are forced to stay in the house with the monster that is so sad i really do hope that these kids get the help they need because it must be a nightmare. It must be a nightmare. Ooh, with that, we continue with our next story on Crime Corner. And with our third story of the day, the FBI exhumes Alonzo Brooks' body after unsolved mystery episode on suspicious death of young man found in a lake. The FBI is also offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in the suspicious death. The body of a Kansas man killed in 2004 in a suspected hate crime was exhumed Tuesday as federal authorities reinvestigated the case. Alonzo, 23 years of age at the time, was exhumed from a Topeka graveyard early Tuesday. According to KSNT, Brooks' family said tips have poured in since his case was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which premiered on Netflix on July 1st. Brooks, 23 years of age, vanished while attending a party in La Cigna on April 3rd, 2004. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Kansas said in a statement that Brooks was one of three African-American people at the gathering, attended by 100 other partygoers. From the beginning, there were rumors that Brooks had been the victim of foul play. Some said Brooks may have flirted with, the, with a girl. Some said drunken white men wanted to fight an African-American male, and some said racist whites simply resented Brooks' presence, federal authorities said. Brooks, who lived in Gardner, reportedly drove to the party with friends who ultimately left without him. That is, a, that is not a friend. <laughs> a friend that, wow, left without him. Make sure that whenever you go to a party, your real friends will leave with you, 
you go to a party together, you leave the party together. Lord, his family reported him missing when he failed to come home the following day. Brooks' body was recovered from a lake in Lesigne on May 1st, 2004. His body was so de- decomposed that officials were unavailable to determine how he died. Friends and family have reportedly insisted that the 23-year-old did not commit suicide or drowned. Unsolved Mysteries executive producer Terry Dunn Moore told Variety that the show has received leads regarding Brooks' case that the production team has forwarded to law enforcement. Moore also revealed that they've received the most emails about Brooks than any other case in the new season. And that some of these messages reference new names relevant to the unsolved case. There were a lot of people there at the party. Somebody witnessed what happened. We just hope that they'll come forward, Murr told Variety. Uh, the FBI is offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in this ongoing case. Any updates in this case, I will bring it to you uh, on any future podcast episode. And if you guys haven't seen uh, the new season of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, six episodes are available on Netflix. And with that, we continue with our last story on Crime Corner. And we have come down to the last story of the day. Now, this is an update on a case that we talked about previously on our last podcast episode. That is episode 22, season 2 update. Uh, Mexico, the missing case of Dylan. He is a two-year-old, eight-month uh, child. Uh, there is a update. Woman involved in the kidnapping of Dylan is identified. Security cameras captured the woman at around 3.08 p.m. on June 30th. Uh, The woman is seen on footage wearing a white sweater with black stripes. She is seen speaking with the little girl. The little, uh, little girl and another underage child. So it's the lady the lured the little girl and then another girl another child and then dylan uh the one that lured little dylan from the market identified as ophelia n i repeat ophelia n 51 minutes later she reappears on surveillance footage walking back to the popular market in saint cristobal community in chiapas mexico now the name of the market is called market el sur and it is in chiapas mexico it's been 23 days since dylan's disappearance uh both children that are seen with ophelia the lure girl and the other child are 10 years of age now i'm gonna run down a timeline of these events uh at 4 14 p.m when dylan appears on surveillance camera 
in a seafood stand walking with a young boy. The young boy is talking with Ophelia Ann. Now, five minutes later, the little girl is seen arriving towards the group and is uh, seen talking to Dylan. At 4.19, Dylan leaves with the little girl, gripping him from behind. Very, very weird. So, at 4.36, they are seen, Dylan and the little girl, on security footage. Now, where four minutes later, the other child involved is seen running back. At 4.44, 25 minutes later, after taking little Dylan, the young girl is seen on camera in a clothing stand without Dylan. Authorities are urging anyone with information to come forward a 300,000 pesos reward is being offered i want to say that is maybe my math is bad but i want to guess three thousand dollar reward like i repeated on the beginning of this uh story the place where this incident took place is market el sur in chiapas mexico and it has been 23 days since little Damien was seen. It is said that evangelistic and indigenous people run or are the owners of this market. Now, the mom is being harshly slammed because Dylan was left to be roaming freely. Now, what people don't seem to understand is that they live a simple life. They, it's a different culture. It's like another world. No offense. They trust. They have trust within each other. They were not expecting this monster to come into this market and kidnap little Dylan. So they are attacking the mom. They are coming for her. And I do see it. I do see why. I do see why. She should have been watching her baby. Should have been watching her baby. Because we do not live in a perfect world. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. She trusted her baby. But the thing is, the surroundings. She shouldn't have trusted the surroundings. I really do hope they find Dylan. I really do hope to bring you some positive news on an upcoming podcast episode. With that said, let's pray that little Dylan is brought home safely. And with that, we continue with Crime Corner. We have come down to the end of today's podcast episode. 
Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 23, season 2. I am your host. I was your host, Homasa. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget that Crime Corner Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast and CastBox app, where millions of podcasts are available. Listen to the best free podcast on Android and Apple iOS. Search Crime Corner. Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, like always, I'm bringing you true crime stories, cold cases, and breaking news stories like in that matter. Please, please, please give us a share. If you haven't, let that person know what you're listening to. Share share this podcast. Share the love. Uh, don't forget that we are available on many streaming platforms. I am Homasa, bringing you the crime. But before we go, don't forget to stay safe, lock your doors, and don't forget to always, always look both ways before you cross the street. With that said, guys, be safe. Till next time, this was Crime Corner.